Is SEO right for your business? You've launched, you've built a website, you've put it out into the world, but how much time should you be focused on working out what keywords you should go for, what backlinks you should get? Should you be focused on SEO for your business? The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Well, I'm very excited about this episode because search engine optimization or SEO is one of these things that I've been thinking about for a long time. It has incredible power. It's very complex. It's difficult to implement on your own sometimes. So today's guest is Farzad Rashidi from Responder.com, and he's here to help us figure out, is SEO right for your business? And it's an interesting start to the question. How do you know? How do I know, Farzad? How do I know if SEO is right for my business? Well, first of all, Alan, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to uh, be here. Now, that, that is a great question because, you know, it's funny you mentioned this now. Is, uh, because a few days ago, I was chatting with a friend who works at a, a medical device company. And uh, she was asking me about, hey, like, what can we do in terms of SEO? You know, what, uh, she was marketing manager. She was like, I'm, I'm actually trying to educate myself a little bit about the topic. And I was like, okay, um, let's first figure out whether this is something that you guys would need in the first place. Because it's <laughs> sort of easy to kind of jump straight inside the technicalities and, and kind of start. Um, you know, start that process of building a website, starting a blog, and and then halfway through it, you'll be like, okay, is this really how we are going to acquire customers? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah right, I put all this exactly. energy into blogging and doing stuff, but is it actually going to win me customers? Because exactly. that's one of the things we love to focus on at this in this podcast is, does it actually sell stuff? Exactly. Absolutely. So that all depends. There's a uh, SEO meme, Alan, I'm not sure if you've seen it around, but it, uh, and, and there's a picture of this guy who's uh, slapping this tape on, on this water tank. Uh, and, and it's like the answer to all questions in SEO. And it, and it says, it depends. <laughs> and that's how all SEO sort of answer any question. Uh, and it, it's literally the definition of it depends uh, to answer this question. So what, what you want to do as a business is to first put yourself in shoes of a potential customer. So once you know the target customer, you're like, okay, here are the people who are willing to pay for our product or service. You want to kind of take a step back and ask them, okay, how did you find us? How are you currently looking for us? Or if, if your current customer acquisition channels are pretty established and you're like, okay, well, we have a bunch of salespeople and they go out there and, and, and knock on doors and, 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 and basically sell our product. You want to take a step back to see, okay, are these people actually actively Googling? Because search engine optimization is a pretty broad term. And, and it's predominantly useful for companies that could potentially acquire customers through inbound channels. So you want to see, okay, are my customers aware of the problem that they have? And if they do know, hey, this is a problem that I know and, I, and I'm aware that exists, then normally what the next step with that, for that uh, would be to start researching online. And researching is predominantly going to be done through Google uh, nowadays. So... 
the first question you want to ask yourself is that is my customer aware of their problem and if so are they going to be doing research and where are they going to be potentially doing that research and if the answer to all three is yes and 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 the answer to the last question is google that means that it is worth your effort to start investing in seo and then another question becomes okay how much effort do we put in to this because SEO, just like any other channel, it doesn't really work very well unless you actually dedicate a good amount of resources because um, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm, I'm going to just go and hire some freelance writers. I'm going to put some content on the page and then we're going to, and then people are just going to magically show up on our website and start purchasing. <laughs> and it's just simply not the real I've world. tried that. It's the dream. <laughs> exactly. And, and so that's exactly what happened to us as well. So just to kind of give you a little background, uh, I started my career as a first marketing hire at Visme. Uh, have you heard of Visme before, Alan? I have not. No, never heard of Visme. All right, no hard feelings there. Have you Have you heard of tools <laughs> maybe, maybe like Canva or Prezi? Yes, I use Canva okay. uh, for my blog. Oh, perfect. Canva is a great software. We have great respect for their team. Uh, Visme is a bit more <laughs> off market. Um, so I <laughs> don't mean to. Uh, uh, you know, speak uh, down on, on, on our competitors, but but Visme was a platform that was predominantly designed for uh, businesses that are looking to sort of create branded content consistently, and it's normally better for you know we, we cater to a wide range of customers. But the reason why I bring it up is that when I joined as the, as a first marketing hire, one of the tasks that I was assigned to was to figure out, hey, we built this thing, it works well, now. Let's go sell this thing. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. So how are we going to go sell this thing? So we were a completely bootstrap company. So right up until this point, even, uh, we were close to 100 employees and fully profitable. And right now, Visme's got over, uh, we're at close to about 13 million active users. We haven't raised a penny in outside funding. And the way we had to kind of, uh, start what was to be very mindful of the budget because a lot of companies are like, okay, car customers, no problem. We're going to go right and run some paid ads. We're going to run some Facebook ads and Google ads. And it wasn't that, I mean, we obviously invest some um, funds into our paid advertising channels, but it is a black hole of, of it's like a cash black hole. And, and it doesn't matter how much money you're spending in this thing. It just never ends. Exactly. Yep. And the marginal returns actually plateaus over time. Even if you double the budget, doesn't mean you're going to get double the conversion. So once you hit the optimal point, then it stops making sense. So your CAC starts actually exceeding your LTV. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring too many terms, technical terms. Basically, it's going to cost you more to acquire a customer than that customer is worth to your business. And so it wasn't really a channel that we could easily scale, and nor did we have the funds to pour it all, all of our cash into that. And, and cold average also works pretty well uh, for a certain type of businesses that normally have a high price point. So let's say if you sell a software uh, that's like a, I know, a five or six figure a year deal, like between 10 to 100K, um, year license, then it would make sense to actually start hiring salespeople to go knock on doors and email and cold call to get some customers in the door, knowing that the success rate on those is going to be very low. And, um, and even the most kick-ass salespeople still wouldn't be able to you know, uh, close more than a certain percentage. So what we had to start figuring out was basically a process of uh, finding out a way that we could capture the interest of 
the audience right at the point where they're looking for us. Because it's very difficult to be a household name. It's very expensive to build a brand that people know. And also, in order to force that, <laughs> uh, we, we had to start getting creative. So what we started to do was to basically start to learn a little more about SEO. And we started figuring out, okay, well, the process of finding a software like ours is quite simple. So let me let me go through an example with you, Alan. So let's say you got a presentation tomorrow, right? Or let's take a very simple example. Let's say you got a presentation tomorrow, like, hey, I don't want to use PowerPoint. It's, you know, it's boring. What, what's the first thing that you do, given that you don't already have a solution and you're looking for a new one? What's the first thing do you do in, in your research process when it comes to I was finding say, a new solution? I will give the answer you're looking for, but you've asked the wrong man because I'm an absolute PowerPoint geek and lover. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Perfect. But well, if I was looking for a solution, the first thing I would do is go I open up Google, and I do this regularly. Whenever I have a problem, is open up Google and go, "What? Da, 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 or this is wrong, or like this hurts, or that's happening." And I Google whatever I Google. Normally, some kind of question about my problem. How do I fix it? Yeah, and you don't have to give me the answer I'm looking for, Alan. A matter of fact is that if you're already a PowerPoint geek and you already have an answer to your solution, then you're not a target customer of it, and that's totally okay. And and a lot of people who actually have in our community do use PowerPoint and complementary to Bizme in a way that uh, they sort of um, have some certain assets that they create using our platform since we don't focus just on presentation. But anyway, that's besides the point. What I meant to say is that normally when people are looking for a solution, they open up Google and let's say, if I'm trying to look for a presentation tool, I go and look up presentation templates, or I'm gonna go ahead and start looking for, hey, what are some of the best tools for presentation? And guess what? The first five or six search results are all ads. <laughs> so you <skip> <laughs> that automatically, or, or if you use a browser extension, and then you go to the first few organic search results, and some of them are like review sites, some of them are like clear cut, like paid promotions. So you kind of filter some of those out too, and then you end up with some, you know, legit reviews and, and maybe take a look at some that are only on the first page. And then sooner or later, you're going to start trying out some of the things that start popping up. All right. So we knew already that that user journey on finding a solution like ours. So we're like, great. So let's break that up apart. As he said, sometimes when you're in the consideration, excuse me, in the, in the exploration phase, you're still looking for a question, right? Hey, how do I improve my presentation, et cetera? And then when you hit a point that you're like, okay, I found a few solutions, now I want to compare them, then you're in the consideration stage until you make a decision on file. So there are different types and tiers of content, and it's not all just blog posts that caters to specific parts of that user journey. So what we started doing was to start to figure out, okay, what are some of these keywords that people are asking at each stage of the buyer journey. And at the very top, there's these questions, educational, uh, excuse me, these, this very top of the funnel questions that people are asking that we wanted to create some educational material for. In the middle, there were some basically um, uh, consideration pages that are comparison pages or template pages, et cetera, that are you know more towards at the bottom of the funnel. And then at the very bottom, the sales pages, people are actually actively looking for a software. And that's where we were building these landing pages that are sales pages that are, you know, directly directing people to start signing up. Mm -hmm. And so the process of finding those keywords was quite a hassle because there is a billion ways on how you can Google something. So we had to come up with a way because we were also a very small team at the time, you have to remember. 
you have to find a way to try to prioritize some of these keywords. So I made this little formula, which is a very simple formula, and it's called um, um, the opportunity score. And and by the way, this whole process, what I'm going through, I wrote a little free ebook on the Visme side. Uh, folks who are listening can download it. Just Google Visme marketing strategy, and then it should be at the top. Uh, it's a free resource. You're more than welcome to download. And, and, and I kind of go through with screenshots step by step. Uh, it's a little more difficult with podcasts because I can't share my screen and kind of <laughs> walk you through the process. But long story short, I don't mean to dive too deep into the details, but we wanted to prioritize keywords at each stage that had the highest volume possible, lowest competition, and highest commercial intent. All right, so high volume, high commercial intent, low competition, and in, in relative to each other. So for each one of our parent keywords, so for example, presentation was a parent keyword, infographic was another. We wanted to prioritize and find keywords that are people actively searching for that met those criteria. And then basically sort them in that little formula and, and, and it gave us, a, gave us a very arbitrary score that helped us just kind of keep our sanity and figure out, okay, well, what we would need to prioritize. And then based on each one of these keywords, we would just open a little incognito and see what the user intent was. Because for example, let's say if you're looking at how do I memorize a presentation? you're most likely looking for a guide or a video, right? If you're looking for presentation tools, you're probably looking for a listicle or a list of options. Or if you're looking for presentation software, you're mostly looking for actual landing pages to actually go in and try some stuff, right? You don't want to read an article about it. So based on each one of these user intent, we went and created that tier of blog or content or landing page for those specific keywords. And go so ahead. So how do you actually... On the user intent, is that something you've just gone, okay, that keyword, they probably have more commercial intent than others? Is that something you've just created or question. is it, how did you work that out? Because like I could get a feel from what someone's typing, right? but I might be completely wrong, which does happen regularly. Right. So it's actually quite a scientific objective process uh, at that point, Alan. So we don't rely on intuition <laughs> much, <laughs> so not, not entirely. But basically the way we assign a score to each one of these keywords is based on three factors. So um, are you familiar with tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs? Have you heard of either of these tools before that are well-known in the SEO space? Yeah, I've absolutely heard of them. Uh, I've never got that far into SEO. It's one gotcha. of those things that right. you feel like you should, you hear of it. <laughs> How much of my life am I willing to put into learning these tools to do it versus exactly. how much do I want to be building the business and actually selling stuff? Right. Um, and mm -hmm. it's, it's that balance, which is, I think, where we started this. So I've heard of them, right. Right. but I've never dived deep. Absolutely. So, Alan, let's, that's actually a great point that you brought up is that how much resources do I put in this thing? So that's also there is an objective answer for that. So I'm happy to let's let's make sure that we touch on that at the end because I don't want to break the flow. So let me answer your first question first. And definitely let's talk about how much resources because it's smaller companies with limited resources. Uh, it's very important to prioritize and allocate in the right way. So I'm more than happy to answer that here in a second. But let me answer your first question first. So there are some tools in the SEO space like SEMrush or Ahrefs or Moz 
Uh, we use Ahrefs personally, we, we recommend them, but they're all great. Uh, that basically give you metrics for each one of these keywords. So first of all, when you run a parent keyword, they give you search suggestions, but normally that contains hundreds of thousands of keywords. Um, and then for each one of these keywords, they give you the metric. So the metric that we use for volume is the number of clicks. So we want to make sure that we prioritize keywords that actually people click through because you don't want to just, you know, um, there are some keywords that just have a feature snippet. The answer is right at the, the top mm. of the search results. So nobody actually comes into your website. You want to prioritize ones with the highest number of clicks. As for competitiveness, there's a metric called keyword difficulty which basically looks at the search results and, and, and basically understands, okay, here are the number of websites with the, number, the most number of backlinks. Like for example, if the search results is dominated by Microsoft and Google and, and these gigantic websites, it's very unlikely to be able to. So the, the keyword difficulty is a, is a zero to a hundred metric that we use uh, in terms of competitiveness. And last but not least for commercial intent, the number we use is CPC. <laughs> which you would think, okay, why do you look at the CPC when you're looking to find keywords for SEO? And the reason why is that nobody likes wasting money. If the CPC of a keyword <laughs> is high, it's, it's, an in, it's an interest factor for us. So it just indicates that, okay, if advertisers are willing to pay for this keyword, then it's likely they're making money out of that keyword. So it has a positive yes. ROI for them. So that's an indication of commercial intent. So we want to prioritize keywords, organic keywords that have the highest number of clicks, lowest amount of keyword difficulty, and the highest amount of CPC. Then those, those are how we prioritize them. And then we create our content based on those. Interesting. Um, bootstrapping question. Any free ways to find out that stuff? Or is it yes. all behind the paywalls? No, there are definitely free ways. Um, there are some tools called Ubersuggest that Neil Patel has put together that is somewhat free. They're also they're freemium. Um, I haven't used them personally much because we do have Ahrefs and we quite use it quite heavily. But for folks who are just getting started, definitely don't pay for things <laughs> as much as possible. I would, I, would, I would use a free version. Um, I believe that Ahrefs has some free tools. I'm not sure exactly, but Ubersuggest, I know that they have a pretty robust um, um, keyword search tool that Thank folks you. can use. Yeah, absolutely. So then, Alan, what happened was that when we put together these blog posts and landing pages and sales pages and tail pages, we're like, this is great. Now we prioritize things, create all this content, put it on our website. Guess what happened? Well, I guess you're just waiting then. Is anyone going to show <laughs> up? What's happening? I hate Two waiting. Two people showed up. <laughs> Two people showed up. People was it your mum? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One of them was my mother. That is correct. And I don't know who the other person is, but whoever you are, <laughs> thank you. But it was quite discouraging because we were like, okay, we've done, gone through all this hassle of creating these pages and, and put all this effort and energy. And as a small company, it takes a while. And, and what, we, what we soon realized was that if you go and Google any keyword <laughs> right nowadays in Google, give me a keyword. Like, for example, presentation software. Let's, let's yeah, I just Googled actually... presentation templates as well to see if you showed up, and you're actually the second organic listing with Visme, so super That's impressive. Right. Yeah, so for that keyword is 483 million search results, so almost half a billion search results for that keyword, all right? Yes. So let's say you created the top-notch quality content. Let's say you're in the top 1% in terms of site speed, in terms of all the technical SEO stuff, in terms of all the quality of the content. You're still in the millions 
or hundreds of thousands, yes. right? So how do you go from like the the eight hundred thousand searches fault to top ten that get over ninety nine percent of clicks? That's the question. That is the, the question, question we're all dying to know. <laughs> that is the question. I hope you're going to tell us the answer. You're teasing us now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the answer is not quite as simple. But I'll, I'll, I'll try to simplify it as much as possible. There's 200 factors that go into indexing the web. They're normally, so th- just to give you a little backstory of how Google works. Back in the day, Alan, uh, you're a young, handsome young man, so I'm sure you don't remember. Back in the day. <laughs> it's very flattering. I'm 43. I remember the start of all of this. <laughs> you're like, well, I've gone through the whole dot-com boom. But Yeah, I've gone through the writing white words on a white web page to make sure you have your keywords. That was a thing way back in the day. <laughs> that's right, yes. And that's how search engines at the time. So Google wasn't a thing. Late in the late 90s, there were AOL and Yahoo and all these other search engines that were predominantly. Exactly. I, there are some that I don't even know. But, but the, at the time, the way these search engines were working was completely reliant on the content on the page. So they were basically just looking at the keywords, the keyword densities. And we were like, okay, if you're looking for a presentation template, if the web page has 100 presentation template keywords built in, stuffed in, then that's probably more relevant than the page that has like 50. Right. Five, so, yeah. Exactly. So what happened was that a lot of SEOs, because marketers ruin everything, started just stuffing keywords <laughs> in their page. And so very quickly, what happened was that a lot of these searches were just giving out junk search results on the top page. So people couldn't get, get you know, good answers to their questions. So what Larry Page did, uh, or one of the founders of Google, I don't know who exactly did that. Uh, they came up with this algorithm called PageRank, which basically... Um, started looking at the backlinks profile of a website, which is similar to how uh, how scientific articles, the more citations they have, the more other people are talking about it, the more valuable an uh, academic research article is. Mm. Same principle for web pages. So we're like, okay, if another website or a bunch of other websites are actually actively mentioning or talking about that specific um, um, web page, then it must be a better web page. Now, this is key because then that means that it's not directly under your control, right? You can't just go stuff keyword now because you, know, <laughs> you don't control the number back incoming backlinks. And obviously, people over the years have started finding loopholes like they would just go spam other websites, but putting stuff in the comments. They were posting stuff on social media. So Google introduced tags. They got very smart in figuring out, okay, what are some of the links that are actually natural links that are editorial versus the ones that are just user-generated? But what I was trying to say, and that was a long way of me answering your question of saying that, yes, content on your page, on-page stuff works very well and it's very important, but it's not. It's only 50% of the way. The other 50% is how other people are talking about your content and linking back to it. So what we started to do was to start treating each one of our web pages on our website as a project. So when we publish this, this is about 20% of the way when it comes to promotion. So what we started to do was to allocate 20% of our marketing resources on content creation. And then we let other, the other 80% into promotion and link building. So that meant that every time we publish a post, regardless of whether it's a landing page or a blog article, we spend four times the amount of time it took us to write that piece or create that piece and promotion to make sure we get enough income and backlinks to that. Now that's very difficult. 
<laughs> it they, does take a lot of resources and manual power and manual manpower. And, and, and we were basically hiring a bunch of people out of some other countries and duct taping a bunch of different tools together to find the right website to reach out to. Okay, let's go try to find the right person, get the right contact. Let's reach out with our incentive. Um, try to strike mutually beneficial collaboration and then follow up. And it was a nightmare. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. Um, <laughs> yeah, for your one-man bands who are listening, for the, the, the companies that is just them or they're just launching, they're thinking, wow, like I could do that for maybe two or three people a week <laughs> whilst exactly. doing a full-time job and running my business on the side. Right, exactly. So that that's uh, sort of what led us to the creation of Respondent. So we were like, okay, well, this is not scalable. <laughs> so instead of duct taping much of different things, let's go ahead and build, build and streamline solution in-house that would basically connect all the dots together and automates a lot of the dirty work in terms of research so we can focus more on personalization. And then now one person could do basically the job of 10 people. With, with less amount of time. So we started building that pieces of the software in-house as an internal tool and just started working ridiculously well. <laughs> and our team was like, man, this is awesome. So that's how we sort of decided to release this as a standalone product. And that's how Respana came to be as a standalone product out of Visme. So mm -hmm. uh, we, we released it to the public and I shifted away from Visme and now running Respana, we have a full separate team, separate company, separate entity, or respond and the rest is kind of history. Wow. So I love that you've built a tool for this. How does it like, if I was to do this on my own at home, mm -hmm. it is literally just reaching out to websites, trying to get featured, producing content that other people featured. It is the manual piece. Right. So there is a manual piece. And, and here's what I was going to say, Alan. So when it comes to resources, so you're like, okay, folks are a one-man band or two-man two, two -man people. You don't want to just start purchasing Respana from day one, okay? So you could if you want to. I'm not trying to stop, stop anymore, but it's not my <laughs> recommendation, right? Um, what I mean to say is that you can do a lot of what Respana does yourself manually. It just takes a lot more time. Respana doesn't do any sort of magic. We just help you do what you do manually 10 times faster. So what I recommend you do as a, as a one person entrepreneur, then instead of start racking up cost, responding subscription included, start allocating your resources. So if you don't have the resources, stop producing so much damn content. So for example, let's say I'm a one man person, just produce one web page every month. It could be a blog post, it could be a landing page, it could be a tools page or a template page, regardless of whatever it is. Just produce one, once a month. And then spend the, so it takes a week, then spend the rest of the month, the next three weeks on promotion. So just do it in less frequency up until the point that it would make sense. Because it doesn't matter if you're pumping out 10 blog posts a week and nobody reads it if it doesn't get any sort of ranking. So you're just wasting your time and your resources. You better just not do it at all if you're not going to do that. So the right way to do it is to allocate. It's kind of like I always say, building a website is like building a house. The foundation is the web, the content on your page and the, and the site structure and all the on-page things. And the house you build on top, the facade, is your link building promotion tactics. So you can't build a house by ignoring either part. It's a it's a puzzle, right? 
So you don't want to start producing pieces of content and just let them sit there because that's just not going to happen unless you're in a very niche industry that nobody really knows anything about SEO. And then, yes, you may get lucky. Some Amazon uh, people that sell e-commerce stores like, yeah, backlinks are dead. I'm like, yes, because you have no competitors. <laughs> you just put it together. <laughs> one. There is like 10 search results for this keyword. And then, yes, you're in the top 10. Woohoo. But most industries aren't like that. Right. Most likely anything that you, any solution you provide or any product that you sell is going to have a ton, like just like you saw with presentation templates, there's half a billion search results for that keyword. So it's just almost impossible for you to be able to execute your SEO strategy correctly without a seller promotion tactic. And I love this because when I've been coaching people on YouTube or content or different things, I say that it's just a small part producing the video. The rest of your time is spent promoting it, promote, 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 put it out there in different ways. If you were to help people, let's say I produced a piece of content this week. Let's take a real life example. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, of course. Let's do it. This, this is fun. Real life example, very Real geeky. Uh, mm -hmm. On my own website, alandonegan.com, I've just written an article with my wife all about ESG, Environmental Sustainable Government Funds and Investments. Super geeky. Okay. Sure. It's on the blog. It took us so long to write and to produce the content and the graphs. Uh -huh. It took us so long. It was a massive investment of time. Yeah. And we basically put it out there and gone, okay, we've done our bit now. Relax. If you were to tell me what to do with that, like what would I do? Do I just need to go on Facebook and start spamming people with it? What do, what do I do? <laughs> well, you could, but the problem with that is that even if you get some views, that's not a sustainable way of getting evergreen flow of traffic to your website, right? So unless you're actually ranking for that keyword in the top 10 search results of Google, any other sort of promotion tactic you do, like, yes, you got to include in your newsletter, you got to share it on your social, even if you run ads it's not an evergreen flow of traffic. <laughs> so the only way you can actually help it get up in the search results is by uh, promoting it. Now, I'm actually, I ran this keyword. It is a very difficult keyword to rank for. It, it's a keyword difficulty metric of 77, but the volume is very high. So the global volume for this keyword is about 600K a month. And about 100K actually comes from United States, which is, makes it, this, uh, this keyword a pretty valuable keyword. The cost per click on this keyword is about $5, means each click that you receive to your website through from this keyword is actually worth five bucks. So and it means that it's a super high volume keyword, super high uh, commercial intent, and very competitive. So I would also, if there's a rule of thumb that I always recommend to our customers and people who are starting out with seo and that is if you're just starting out don't shoot for the stars don't start competing with hubspot and google because you're gonna <laughs> lose so you always want to stay stay within your league right so what i would recommend is to first start producing or exclude content pieces or exclude keywords that have a higher keyword difficulty than your domain authority and and that's a very unscientific way of making things um, a rule of thumb. So if you have a domain Can you rating just explain that or sentence again? Um, of course. The stay in your league bit, the domain sure. authority. I I got confused for a second. So uh, let me let me simplify. Yeah, let me simplify, and then we can get a little nerdy. So simplification is: if you have a smaller site, don't go start targeting super competitive keyword. Just those comments there, right? So if you have a small site, start from lower volume, lower competitive keywords. Now, as your site becomes more authoritative, then you can start going after more 
competitive keywords. So okay. the, the, what the sentence that I mentioned was that the, the authoritiveness of your site is what a metric called domain rating or domain authority. I was like, don't pick keywords that have a keyword difficulty of more than your domain authority. So it's a good rule of thumb so that you don't go after keywords that are bigger than what you can chew. That makes sense. All right. So let's say, Alan. You... So how do I know my domain authority? Because this is a fascinating question. Do I have any authority? Yep. Yeah, you can you can look up your domain on Moz or on on Ubersuggest or on any of these SEO tools that normally give you a metric based on your backlinks profile. Okay. Yeah, so that that's a good rule of thumb. But now, let's say Alan, since you already produced a piece of content, so I probably wouldn't would have advised you against creating that piece of content in the first place if I knew <laughs> that your domain rating was high. But but let's put the assumption that you did listen to me and and, and you were. <laughs> You are a very authoritative website that you can compete with likes of Investopedia and Corporate Finance Institute uh, that are actually, um, I, I'm not going to outline some, but some of the search results on this, uh, on this keyword are actually are Respondo customers. But anyway, uh, not saying that's because of Respondo, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it's funny that a couple of them are actually <laughs> ringing about. But anyhow, so what, what, let's say the website is authoritative enough for this keyword. Great. Now we put together this kick-ass piece of content and you have included, uh, answered the right questions, right? So if you take a look, there's a people also ask questions in Google. They want to make sure you answer everything that people are actually looking for, including like ESD definitions, sustainability standards. Like you want to make sure that you include answers that people are actually looking for. And Google only gives you uh, those questions that people are asking. But let's say we, we did all best practices and we put this content out. How do we go out there and incentivize people to link back to this? That is the real key, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it is. So let's, so let me walk you through it. So with this particular keyword, I would recommend two strategies. Uh, we have a list of strategies. So if folks want to go to respondo.com, navigate to the footer of the website and click on average strategy hub, uh, we get, it's a free resource that we give you a ready to use recipe for each one of the link building, well-known link building strategy. And we give you how to discover them, how to find them and, and give you a recommended template to work with. So you don't even need our software implement these you can do this yourself manually so the two strategies i would recommend for these keywords are one competitor backlinks and two anchor text so let me explain what those weird terms mean so one of the first things i would do is that using google advanced operators have you used them before like in url in title in text have no. you used google advanced operators before so google has this advanced operators or advanced search that helps you make your searches more granular so the first thing I would do is to using these advanced operators, you can easily identify web pages that have mentioned ESG somewhere in the body of the content, not in the title, indicating okay. that the focal point of the article is something else than ESG, but they happen to mention ESG somewhere in the body. Mm. Let me repeat that okay. again. We're trying to look for non-competing pieces of articles that happen to mention our target keyword somewhere in the body. And it's very easily done by these using Google advanced operators that are free. You guys can Google that using this. Uh, I give you some examples uh, inside the uh, strategy uh, hub inside our website. Now, once we, for example, let's say we come up with a um, blog post on Investopedia about, um, for example, what are the top trends in um, sustainability in 2022? And they happen to mention ESG as a word inside the article 
So one of the first things I would recommend you to do is to find the right person who's either written that piece of content if they work there. If not, find a content manager or editorial person at Wikipedia or at that website that you want to reach out to, someone who has uh, access to the blog. And reach out, let's say his name is Justin, okay? Be like, hey, Justin, came across your piece on Wikipedia and noticed that, and I love the, um, you know, the trends that you mentioned uh, in 2022. I'm a big environmentalist myself, and I agree that you said X, Y, Z in the article. By the way, I noticed that you mentioned ESG, but didn't really dive deep into the topic or into the definition of what it is. And a lot of people don't know. Our team just put together a comprehensive resource that I think would make a nice addition. And if you were kind to give us a mention here, I'm more than happy to include one of your articles in the guest post I'm writing for HubSpot. So there's a few things here. Let me outline them. One, you're reaching out with a personalized pitch to the right person. Two, you're including an incentive. <laughs> yes. So, hey, why do I need to take 30 seconds out of my day? And that incentive needs to be proportionate to the authoritativeness of the website that you're reaching out to. All right. And I'm also, that, and that was it, three. <laughs> so personalized <laughs> pitch, find the right person, include an incentive. Three pillars of average, okay? Now, five to 10% of people reply back and say, yeah, man, thank you. Sure, let's do it. Five to 10%. I'm gonna walk you through what we're gonna do with, with those five to 10%, make sure we, we extract as much value as we can. Let me introduce another strategy. It's what we call the competitor backlinks. So a lot of these tools, like I mentioned, HRS, SEM, Russian stuff, they can also hook it up to respond on, would give you the articles that the top 10 search results for that keyword already have backlinks from. So you already know, okay, what are some of these blogs getting their backlinks from that's already working for them? So this is what we call a competitor backlink strategy. So you can reverse engineer your links. So that Investopedia article, I can go and see, okay, they got a backlink from, for example, uh, HubSpot. They also got a backlink from Respond, right? So then you can extract those and reach out to the right people at each one of those publications and say, hey, Justin, Kim Corsi-Piece, notice you guys referenced this Investopedia article that's actually a couple years old. Our team just put together a more fresh, more comprehensive version. And it's what we call the reverse skyscraper technique or whatever you want to call it. And um, hey, uh, if you were to give us an addition or replacement, I'm more than happy to do X, Y, and Z for you. So either one of these strategies to go with is what we call a transactional link exchange of collaboration. So you're actually saying, hey, thanks for writing this article. I'm going to do this for you if you were to do this for me. Okay. The key here is to not to offer money for two reasons. <laughs> First of all, nobody wants to offer money. No. Uh, the main two reasons is, one, it's a straight up against Google policy to offer money for these backlinks. So, um, and, and the main reason why it's not just because it's against Google policy is because the websites who accept payments from you are normally junk sites. <laughs> so it's a good, clear indication of quality for us is that if I'm reaching out to a website, right, like your website, or I'm reaching out to HubSpot or Mississippi, they could care less about my, you know, $200 that I'm offering them. <laughs> so the fact that they don't accept payment is just an indication to me that, hey, this, these are actually legit companies. They're not just random sites or blogs that are just here to make a buck. So not to offer cash, start out with a mutually, collabor mutually beneficial collaboration. And that's step one in your sort of link to link campaign. 
So let's pause here because we just went through a lot. How does that sound so far? How are you feeling so far? Uh, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it sounds like a huge amount of work. And I understand, yeah, it probably is. One thing you said about an anchor text, you said there were two things, competitor backlinks and anchor text. Was that anchor right? text? That's right. So anchor text is basically finding non-competing articles that mention your keyword in the body. Uh, okay. Cool. The competitor backlinks are using SEO tools to find the backlinks of competing articles on the search results. Okay. So this is something that anyone can do for their yeah. website. Yeah. Is of course. Yeah. If you have cool. all the time in the world. Yeah. So that that's sort of our value prop. I respond. I be like, okay, we got to automate a lot of this stuff, so you don't actually have to do all that. So you can we we help you find the right websites through Jatia, and then responder would go and do, does the entire research to find the right person, gets the emails, verifies the emails, all that stuff's done automatically. And then you can build a template, we give you some examples, and then you can personalize them as much as you want, and then you set it and you forget it. So it's easier to do it through responder, but it, it's not impossible to do manually if that makes sense. Cool, and maybe you start doing it manually and then upgrade later. Um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm advocating actually making for. money. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm, I'm. That's what I'm advocating for. I'm like, please don't come sign up for Respawn. Go ahead and do this yourself manually, and then when you find Respawn, you're like, oh my god, you start crying. You're like, this is a godsend <laughs> gift because right now when you're like, oh, I don't want to pay ninety nine dollars for this tool. What is this tool, right? <laughs> but if you're spending five hours a day going through this process and this tool cuts it down to five minutes then 99 dollars a month it becomes negligible you're like this is almost too good to be true so that that's the type of customers we want to have is that somebody who's done gone through the pain of doing this manually and then you find our tool and then you start crying and that's that's when we know that okay this is a, this is a <laughs> product market fit right here <laughs> so for something practical that everyone can do you said a minute ago about the domain authority of a website. I went ahead and Googled like the domain authority of my own website um, with the Ahrefs website authority checker. And uh -huh. it says I have a domain rating of 26 with a, okay. a tiny little orange bar, which like yeah. it doesn't fill me with excitement. Doesn't sound that great. Well, it depends on the space you're in. So, so uh, you, you should compare yourself in relative to a couple of things. First of all, the other websites that are in your space and also for the keywords that you're trying to rank for. So if, uh, if you're going against competitors that have much higher domain ratings than you, then it becomes very difficult uh, to try to rank for those keywords. And guess how you increase your domain rating, Alan? Get more backlinks, I'm assuming. Exactly. <laughs> That is correct. So it is kind of a chicken egg problem. That's what I always uh, advocate is that I'm like, start within your league, start from some of the lower tier keywords, then also start reaching out to websites that are within your range. So for you, I'll reach out to websites with a domain rating of max like 30 or 40, right? I wouldn't okay. reach out to HubSpot now. And then start collaborations with them. And it's very easy to get your domain rating up to like 30 or 40. And from there, it becomes, you know, marginally more difficult. Like right now, like Respondent's domain rating, I think is 76 or 77. Eight, wow. uh, and Vizmi's is uh, 84. So Vizmi's right now, I think the top 5,000 website in the world. Um, but we didn't get here overnight. So I don't mean to discourage you guys. I'm just saying it's a lot of work to get here. But let's actually talk about whether we should do this in the first place. How much resources we need to put into this, right? Because all of and this stuff sounds question. very hard, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because we can talk about link building as much as we want. 
Uh, by the way, just a little PS here. Uh, I wasn't done with the link building process. There, there's a lot more that comes afterwards in terms of building partnerships, and building relationships. We can talk about this till tomorrow. But for the sake of time, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about why we need to do this in the first place. So if you're an, on Ahrefs, can you do me a favor really quick, Alan, and just look up bizme.co? Bizme.co. I am not a okay. robot. <laughs> I think I put the wrong thing in. No worries. V-I-S-M-E dot C-O. Perfect. It says domain rating 84 with 1,351,933 backlinks, which makes my website's 956 look quite tiny. <laughs> but what's the organic traffic? This just tells me your domain authority, your linking websites, and your backlinks. Oh, that's it? Oh, okay. All right. Well, the domain, I, I see the paid version, so that, that gives you more info. So the domain organic traffic based on Ahrefs is 2.3 million a month. And Ahrefs actually has a metric called traffic value, which basically says, okay, if you were to have no organic standing in the search results, if you were to bring the same level of traffic based on the cost per click of each one of these keywords they're ranking for, how much would it cost through AdWords, which is the Google ads, to bring in that same level of traffic? So let's say if you hadn't invested in SEO at all, how much would it cost for us to bring the same level of customers, same level of traffic to our website? Now, what number do you think it is, Alan? Throw a number out there. Well, if you were pay, you said like two or three dollars a click, you probably like five million a month. Right. So not all of the keywords have that high of a cost per click. So some of the educational pieces have a much lower cost per click. Some are actually nobody's advertising on. So it's a subset of those pages <laughs> that actually get uh, a cost per click. So the number is one point three million a month. So it means that if we were to bring in the same level of customers that we bring in through our SEO channels, through AdWords, we would have to spend $1.3 million a month in Google AdWords. That's crazy. It's absolutely so, crazy. Now let's go back to your question, how much you should spend on SEO. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I guess how much of your time and how much of your effort, because there's different ways to spend, isn't there? You can spend your life force, you can spend your energy, or you can spend your money. Exactly. Yes. And and, and that's, that's where I was going with is that it depends on, first of all, what type of company you want to be. Do you, or you want to be an inbound first company where people come to you or would rather focus more on outbound? And the answer to that question depends on two things. One, the industry that you're in, the type of product you're selling, the type of service that you're selling. And two, and which one you're best good at, right? For example, I'm terrible at outbound. I am not <laughs> a good outbound salesperson. I cannot do cold calls. I, and, you know, it's just, I just sound weird and, and awkward over the phone to people who keep hanging on my on I, I just, it has no appeal to me. Don't like it. Never been good at it. Just got to be 100% transparent and upfront. So once you figure out, okay, I would like to be an inbound first company, meaning that I'd rather get customers to come and find me and come and, and, and when the time is right, they're actively searching for it to come and find me. That's how I would like to acquire my customers. We're like, okay, well, that's great. Now let's figure out exactly how much you need to spend on SEO. And the way you can calculate that number 
is when you start, so for example, any keyword that you'd like to start getting rankings for has a traffic potential. And the traffic potential of the keyword is that, okay, if you were to get the number one ranking for this keyword, how much traffic would it bring onto this page? And we have an average conversion rate for each one of the pages that we get rankings on. So for a blog post, the conversion rate is very small because people who are landing on a blog post rarely ever want to go purchase a product. But mm -hmm. the landing pages, on the other hand, have a much higher conversion rate. Again, I'm oversimplifying these um, just for the purpose of this interview, because obviously the way we, we use these blog articles and not only just to bring traffic, but also a way for us to attract the backlinks. And then we mentioned our landing pages in the blog post that brings in a certain level of um, basically, you know, uh, this is what we call the middleman approach. So it passes on the link equity from our blog post to our landing pages and helps us get a lot better rankings to our landing pages that are money pages. But anyway, Let's, let's not overcomplicate things. Let's stick with the basics. So we're like, okay, if I were to get this blog post or get this landing page up in the search results, if it, you, when it hits number one, here's what the other number one page is getting. And a lot of these SEO tools give you that number. It's for example, let's keep it simple, thousand visitors a month. We're like, okay, on my sales landing pages, I get an average conversion rate of 1%. So meaning that out of 100 people land on this website, again, 1% is very high. But let's say that, for just to keep the numbers round, we get 10 conversions for this landing page, okay? Or for this one. So let's just start calculating, okay, here's X number of landing pages we need to create. And in order to get these landing pages up in the search results, we need to create these number of blog posts. And in order to get these blog posts up, we need to have X amount of writers, X amount of averagers, X amount of resources and link building. You calculate the cost of that and then you compare it with the conversion values of each one of these conversions. And then you go back to the very basics of paid advertising. They're like, okay, does my cost of customer acquisition exceed <laughs> my LTV or it doesn't? And if it does, then you probably shouldn't focus on SEO. Maybe you're better off just focusing on cold sales. If you sell a product that's $100,000 a year, and your customers aren't actively necessarily looking for it because they don't know that they have that problem. Going back to that initial example I gave you about the medical device company that sells like medical devices, they go for like 40 to 50 grand per each. Most very unlikely those, those administrators in the hospitals are like, okay, let me Google some of these things uh, like medical devices. They go through these vendors, they go through, it's a completely different sales cycle. But if you're selling presentation software, if you're selling some e-commerce products, if you're selling some, uh, stuff that people are actively searching for. And then you can easily calculate exactly based on these metrics, how much these pages are worth to you. And here's what it would approximately take, obviously it's give or take, in order to get these up. Here's the amount of resources and time it takes. And it's just a game of numbers, just mathematics. There's no intuition. There's no intuition. We're not guessing. <laughs> We're just doing the maths, which I love. I'm a big fan of doing the maths. Um, so, Farzad, if we were speaking to someone who's just launched their business, they've got their website, and they're thinking about SEO, just to give them a very simple, like, what's the one, two, three things to think about at the start, mm -hmm. how would you break it down to someone who was just launching? 
what I would recommend, I always like to teach people how to fish than to give them to fish. I would recommend you just go look up that ebook that I wrote, uh, uh, Viz Me Marketing Strategy. I give you step-by-step -step outlines. And I actually kept the plugs for both Respond and Viz Me to almost zero. So everything I discuss in the ebook, you can do manually with your fingers. Like you don't need any tools, <laughs> you don't need any software. <laughs> you can just type on your keyword and then you can make it happen. So uh, up until the point that it becomes very too, too, too time consuming and, and hard to scale, then, then that's when these tools come into play and help you kind of scale this a lot quicker. But as far as the step-by-step -step goes, just to kind of summarize, one, figure out your customer journey and understand what keywords they're searching for at each step. Step two is to prioritize these keywords because there's billions, billions of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you want to prioritize the ones that you want to start tackling. Then once you start, and then step three is to start creating these pages, depending on user intent. And last but not least, promote the heck out of them. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your energy, sharing your ideas. I really appreciate it. Um, I really do appreciate it. And just so everyone's got it clear, the the free ebook that you said about for on Responder, it, it was on Visme's website, isn't it? It is on Visme's website. That's right. I wrote that when I was the director of marketing at Visme. And then the examples are all Visme related. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So thank you so much for coming on the show. If you're listening to this, hopefully this has helped you made a decision of whether to prioritize your resources, your time, your energy or your money into SEO or not. Thank you so much for listening to the Rebel Entrepreneur. Thank you for coming on the show and good luck. Good night. Go make it happen. Well, that was a fascinating interview with so much in there. And I just wanted to record this last little piece for the end of the podcast, because I don't know if you're like me, but when I listen to the amount of work and effort that goes into SEO, it puts me off. It makes me think, why am I doing this? What's the point? I don't want to spend my time doing this. I'd rather spend my time working on the content, on this, on that. And I think it's really fascinating to become one of the major websites, the amount of work and energy and effort that people put into it. But I guess we would be back to my wife screaming at me, it's not binary. You can do a little bit of this each week and build it up. Like if you're building a business for the long term over the years, then why not build one backlink a week? And that's 50 a year and it'll start to grow. And so will your domain authority. And I guess I've been doing a little bit with my website doing that. I get the feeling Fazab was being polite about my Devane authority score of 26. Um, but it's interesting. Google that, see what yours is. It's fascinating. And I think we all have to decide where we want to put our limited resources. Where are we going to invest our energy, our life force, our money to get the best return for your company, for your business, for what you're doing. And that is the fundamental question. And that was the hope of doing this episode was to give you some information about what it really does take 
to build an SEO strategy to go huge. I think there's a smaller version of this where you're trying to show up for a keyword in your local town, in your local area, with Google Maps, with something like that, which you can do. You can get local links. You can do a smaller version. You can build your website in that way. And there is a smaller version of this that you could absolutely do. And we went through that with Henry Nicholson with the Beginner's Guide to SEO on the podcast. But there's an effort in scaling becoming larger, showing up for some of these bigger keywords. Like when I spoke about my ESG article, Ethical Sustainable Governments Funds article, Farzad's advice was, well, I would have told you not to write that article because you'll never rank for it. You'll never get any traffic for it. And that's fascinating because we spent months on that article and we did it because of the audience that we have listening to the Rebel Finance School and we wanted to add value and it was the question that kept coming up and we were actually interested in it. So I'm, I don't regret writing it and I'm very happy. But if you were doing this from a purely business standpoint, you would be looking at a blog completely differently from what I am doing. So the question to you is... Is this the most valuable use of your time? Should you do a little bit each week? Should you go all in to SEO and choose your keywords, figure out your audience? Are they searching for the problem? Are they actively Googling how do they fix the problem? Where are they searching? Do you go all in and build the, the content and then spend 80% of, of your time building backlinks and promoting? Or you, do you just go, is SEO not for me and I'm going to build my business Another way, I'm going to learn how to use the video strategy on LinkedIn that Patrick helped us with on the coaching series. Am I going to do cold calling? Where am I going to put my precious time and resources? And that is the question that we all need to answer for ourselves. So what I would love you to do is go away from this podcast thinking, where am I going to invest my time energy and resources that will give me the best return for my business. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Good luck. Have fun. Go make it happen. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a Rebel Entrepreneur.